You're listening to St. Pius X Catholic Church in Lafayette, Louisiana. Thank you for joining us. So our readings this weekend reveal to us something a little bit surprising, reveals that God is both jealous and zealous. So as he's elaborating on the first commandment, God tells Moses, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. And in the gospel, we see Jesus act boldly driving out the money, money changers from the temple area, spilling their coins, overturning their tables. He's consumed with zeal for his father's house. So Jesus is zealous. So normally, we don't think of being jealous being, or being called a zealot a good thing, right? It's not a compliment. So why is it okay for God to be jealous and zealous? I want to focus on that for the reflection today. So first look at that reading from the book of Exodus. So on Mount Sinai, Moses receives the Ten Commandments from God. Now, whenever we think about the Ten Commandments, kind of close your eyes and visualize, like, what is the, what is the image that comes to our mind with the Ten Commandments? We think of the two stone tablets that the commandments are written on. And those two stone tablets don't have five and five. They traditionally have the first tablet, it's focused on God, so the first three commandments about God's place in our life, how we are supposed to honor his name, how we're supposed to honor his day. So that's the first tablet. And then the second tablet is about our relations with everyone else, so the requirement to be respectful to others. So four through 10, respect and honor your parents. Number four, respect the physical bodies of other people you shall not kill. Number five, respect marriage. Respect your spouse, you shall not commit adultery. Number six, respect the property of others, you shall not steal. Number seven, respect the truth, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not lie. Number eight, and then nine and ten really are meant to help us follow commandments six and seven. Don't covet your neighbor's wife, don't covet your neighbor's property. In other words, don't even start walking down the road towards adultery and theft. So these are just basic guidelines for a human community to function well. And they're all rooted in the reality of God. So we can't separate. We can't have the second tablet without the first. So the first commandment serves as a foundation for the rest. And it's in that first tablet that God calls himself jealous. He's jealous. But he's not envious, right? He doesn't want what's not his. And so how we understand this, we can think of how a baby is jealous of his mother. He doesn't want anybody else's mother. He just wants his, what's his, who belongs to him. And that's the sense in which God is jealous. He made us for himself. He's jealous of us. He wants who belongs to him, and that's us. He made us, he made us for himself. He made us for truth and love and communion. He made us for happiness. That's why. He gives us the commandments. He wants us to have a society of law and order and peace and harmony. It's not because God is a tyrant that he commands us to worship him alone. Right? He's, he's not of low self-esteem. Right? Why does he do that? He knows that whatever we worship, we become like. He alone is worthy of our minds and hearts. Whatever we give our minds and hearts to, that's what we worship. And it matters. What we worship, it matters what we believe because we become like what we worship, what we give our minds and hearts to. 
And this is poorly understood in our time, right? Many uh, who want to push a very secular or completely secular society want to do exactly that. Get rid of that first tablet and keep the second. Right? Let's try to hold on to society that has some respect for other people, but we have no use for the God thing. No use for honoring God, honoring his name, honoring his day. But here's the problem. The law doesn't survive long apart from the lawgiver. Without the lawgiver, the law starts to lose its strength and it begins to fade away. So think about how that works just at home. Every home has law. Every home has family rules. Now, how long are those rules going to be honored by the children when the parents are away? They might be honored for a few hours, for a few days, but what about the parents are absent for a week, for a month, for a whole summer, for a year? Are those rules going to survive? Will that law survive? No chance. It's not going to happen. Right? And the same is true in the classroom. The same is true at work. Whenever the giver of the law is not present, the law becomes optional. Right? We're going to follow what suits us. And that's not good. Right? A lawless society is not good for anyone. It's not a society of all. The jungle comes back, and the jungle is a dark, scary place, especially for those who are weak, those who are poor, those who are small. God doesn't want that for us. He is a jealous God. He wants our happiness. And so he gives us the law for us to be authentically free. He gives us the commandments. He shares his mind and heart with us so that we can know the truth and that we can live and choose the good. So that's how we understand God to be jealous. It's for our sake. Secondly, we want to look at the zeal that consumes the heart of Jesus. In what way can we say that Jesus is zealous, that he's a, a zealot, but in a good way. So we're used to hearing Jesus speak boldly, speak truth, no matter what the consequences are. But today's episode definitely stands out for him acting boldly. Or just even visualizing this is hard for us, flipping tables and spilling money and driving people out kind of in a, in a violent way with a whip. Right? This is not the, the meek and mild Jesus we normally encounter. So what's going on? Why? Is he zealous on this occasion? I think the first line of the gospel helps us to answer the question. Since the Passover of the Jews was near. So that's the time of the year. It's the holiest time of the year in the holiest place on earth, in the temple, on Passover. What was this all about? This is all about an authentic encounter with God, to offer up an authentic sacrifice to God, to be made one with God. And that required pilgrims from all over to come to Jerusalem. And if they didn't bring their own livestock, they had to buy livestock there to offer, depending on, the, on their income level. They had to offer various kinds of animals. And there had to be some currency exchange because they were coming from all over the empire. So those things themselves, the buying, the selling, the exchange of coins, that wasn't evil. But they had become the focus, right? the buying and the selling, the haggling, the cheating, and the trying to make some money off of this holy thing had become the focus. And so Jesus is zealous for his Father's house. He's zealous for authentic prayer, for authentic communion, for authentic worship. And so he's come to restore authentic worship, to refocus 
our attention. So he drives out all those preventing, all those things preventing that authentic prayer. This is his mission to restore our focus. But thanks be to God, we don't have to travel to Jerusalem to worship authentically. In our baptism, our bodies became temples of the Holy Spirit. We were sealed with the same fire which consumes the heart of Jesus in that moment when we received God the Holy Spirit. So during Lent, in a particular way, we ask Jesus to drive from our lives, to drive and overturn and push back against all those things which keep us from focusing on an authentic encounter with God. Jesus acts boldly with the temple because he's consumed with zeal, and if we let him, he will use that same zeal to purify us and make us a worthy offering to our jealous God and Father.